so welcome to the Spark Podcast. Um, today we're going to get to know all kinds of things about Kent Lewis. Oh, it's about me today. Yeah. Wow, yeah. I didn't know that. So just just for starters, because yeah, I... That's great. I, I won't even ask how we know each other, because <laughs> I'm sure it's going to come up at some point. Yeah, that's great. Yes. Um, or many... Yeah. I, Let's start with, yeah. who are you, Kent Lewis? Give me your background. <laughs> No, that's that's that that's it? not that's not. There's no innuendo there. That's just yeah. tell me who you are, Ken Lewis. Oh, sure. Uh, born and raised right here in Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, graduated from Dunbar High School. Uh, played in a golf scholarship at uh, UK, then Moorhead State. Uh, graduated, went uh, to work for a software company. Got to live overseas in Australia for a year, England for a year. Uh, worked there to um, through HP for 16 years. Then worked for a multitude of companies, met you at a, a former company, and then we kind of uh, parted our ways and did our own thing. And then we found our way back right here at this podcast that I wasn't invited to, but yet I'm here. Uh, but you're here. But I'm That's talking right. about myself at the podcast that well, I wasn't invited so, to. <laughs> you know, the use of Google Calendar is awesome. a discipline that we're all working on, right? Yes, of course. Um, okay, so back up. So you... You spent 16 years essentially inside uh, different software companies. I mean, it was the evolution of one company, right? Uh, of course, yes. Um, so what did you, what was your role or what were the roles that you had inside that company? Oh, man. Uh, I started really uh, as a pre-sales consultant, um, just uh, traveling actually to Aflac headquarters in Columbus, Georgia. I was there for almost two years flying back and forth uh, every week. Um, as a lot of travelers, you know, are so this traveling is, every week. this is how, you know, everybody at the ticket counter, this is how airport. you know everybody at the ticket counter still okay. today at yeah. uh, the airport. Okay. That makes sense. All this right. Is how you know everybody it hurts and everything yeah, else. Right. right. Uh, so I traveled, uh, doing a pre-sales consultant. I then slowly moved into a pre-sales consultant, which, you know, if anybody doesn't know the difference, uh, where, I'm working on after the deal was sold when I first started. So there was pressure to have them uh, get the software working, but at the same time, there was no pressure that they were going to lose them as a customer, right? Yeah, like the we deal were, was already done. They're yeah. done. So then I moved to the front more into the before the sale. So I like always- high, Higher stakes. Higher stakes. Yeah. You know, I, could, I, I like to use the term that I- can never make the client say yes because that's the salesman's guy's job. However, I can make them say no really fast mm. if I did a bad job technically. Mm. Gotcha. So I did that and went, uh, did that uh, pre-sales consulting. And then uh, I had a chance to live wherever I wanted to in the U.S. And a friend of mine, uh, Jamie Harris, who I worked for uh, before, he uh, and Steve Whitman, who I just had dinner with, he uh, they came up and said, man, you should maybe look, you know, I was looking Dallas. I was looking all kinds of places. Said, you should maybe look overseas because we're open office over there. Hmm. And sure enough, man, in six months, I found myself opening up, helping an office in Sydney, Australia for a year. And then I was in London for almost a year after that helping. And I became more of the guy that was supporting not just our local U.S. deals, but international deals as well. All of that was client facing and you were supporting not only like U.S. deals, but clients who were overseas. Yeah, of course. Uh, I was client facing all the way up until like my final couple of years where I was more on the uh, product management team where I learned more about the like development dev, lifecycle, dev, dev process and scrum and things like that, cool. where I was supporting a, a new SaaS product uh, through HP at the time. 
but yeah, most of my role and my, my, my love is the client facing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of user conferences, spoke at a lot of user conferences, did a lot of keynote presentations, things like that. So then you also have this interesting kind of woven in that client facing software dev support or sales support. You've, you've got this like event kind of history. So is that, did you get into that because you were speaking at some of the user conferences and then you found that really interesting and cause you've done a bunch of stuff with events here locally, well, more than locally too, but um, more on the like producer or the organizer side of things. I guess what's interesting is like, um, there's those type of people that say, oh, we've got to go to another trade show. I'm dreading to go to another trade show. I don't want to walk the floor and work the trade show where I'm the complete opposite. And I was like, I can't wait to go. Like, I want to go to the trade shows. I enjoy going to trade shows. I enjoy meeting new people. I enjoy getting excited about a program or something that we're selling. I mean, I remember back in the day, the extreme software is where we were at. Like, we had the, like, top echelon of software. Like, we were the extreme team. I've never felt um, that kind of connection for a long time. Uh, that we'd walk into a room and they'd be like, oh, there's the extreme guys. And are, we'd be demoing for eight straight hours. Like, hmm. And so it was amazing. Uh, but just that much demand for the product. That yeah. demand and then like just enjoying the show and talking to everybody. And so I kind of had that whole event thing and I just enjoyed putting on the event and seeing the cool things. And so that inspired me down the road to start, you know, I did the started the TEDx Lex. You know, one of the first to start a TED event. The so, TEDx so event. essentially, that's I mean, for people who aren't familiar with the TED organization, um, TED almost it's almost like a franchise model of sorts. It's a little bit of a yeah. yeah. A, a so generalization. you know, TED, TED. Okay, so um, Jason. Uh, so there's a TED conference that everybody knew about. Right? Right. That was kind of like this conference you could go to. Uh, Jason Wishnow, who's a friend of mine, and his team, the video team, were solely responsible for moving TED to TED Online. Okay. When TED Online came around, it exploded. Okay. And then they created TED Active, which is uh, an off-site. Uh, basically, it's the main TED conference, but it's off-site more. Uh, so I went to that for four years, met some great friends there, and then came back and started a TEDx Lex so event. Th- the opportunity to de- develop to create a TED branded follow the TED playbook here in Lexington. And then your like proximity to the software community and all the startup energy that was going on around town made it kind of like a natural We brought in, we brought in designers from Lego and we had Twitter at the time and guys that used to work for big ESPN and things like that, that came in. I had one person come from Australia People come in from Texas, California. One that developed all the really nice blue lighting mm-hmm. that you see, Billy Valentine's his name. He helped develop all the blue lighting that you see in the Delta airplanes that gives you that atmospheric lighting. Oh, very cool. They did a lot of testing for that. Uh, so, yeah, the X for TED stands for Independently Organized Event. So that means that you develop the TED brand, the letters, and you host it. We hosted at uh, what was formerly, I guess, Manchester City Hall now, but it was formerly Buster's at the time when we did that event there. And then we did the next one in Kentucky theater. Cool. Um, so yeah, it has been great, but that was a bunch of other events. We did a Pachaka Cha event, which we did a bunch of those. We did, uh, we helped create with the chamber of commerce, the intellects, uh, geeks night out squad and all that kind of thing that we did. So, so. so the synergies all around like startup energy, which obviously is a bunch of entrepreneurs, right? Sure. Some of those in software, some not. And then fusing that with events and then your experience, both 
presenting at some large events and then starting to organize and operate um, some more like regional events, but bringing in a lot of the network that you had from the from the big guys. Yeah, of course. And you know, it's interesting. I talked to a guy today, just you know, a friend of mine that just left and started his new company, and he's a trade uh, company. And he's like, "Man, I just never knew all the things I had to do. Whether it's social media, whether it's the FEI number, and all the tax and all the stuff you have to do to start a business. And it comes the same way as when events, and it makes you realize like." I've never put on an event. I could put on an event and then you go do it and then you realize, hey, there's a lot, you know, like it the event seems, we like just if it's did. Done, if it's done well, it seems really simple. It seems so easy, like, oh, I could throw That's an right. event. But the reality is it's pretty complex. There are a lot of moving pieces. There's a lot of runway to get just to the first day. That's right. And there's a, and there's a lot of things and, it, and it's depending on the event that you put on. Are you put on a production of Proust event that I just did last week? Right. You know, in Florida, where we have 980 feet of LED wall. And a live stream and, and all that. And live so, yeah, stream right. and Zoom going on on the stage and doing all kinds of things. Do we do that? Or is it just a local startup event for a few hours, but you still have badges, you still have name, you still have registration, you still have cost, you still have money, you still have all those sponsors, things mm-hmm. that you have to deal with, and it's a lot. Okay, so let's, let's, uh, let's that's a good dovetail. Um, so we met each other at an AV integrator. Um, I was doing designy stuff and sales stuff. You came in really to kind of fix some operational problems and you ended up building the, the essentially the ERM that ran the whole organization sure. software wise. And then you came out on some of the projects I was doing in the themed attraction space. And I don't know, it just, it worked. As, as somebody said before we started recording, we have a we have an like this odd chemistry that shouldn't work, but I guess it does. So that's how I we guess met, I try to right? bring some organization to Matt Cooper's life. Yeah, if that's uh, possible. Or, yeah, a framework to the chaos. Yeah, is that is that me? Me? me you know? Yeah, fair, fair. Yeah. We have now launched Spark Events. We have. I started an organization uh, focused on lighting in the themed entertainment space. Um, and then we had this idea about what would it look like to take some of that experience and then your really diverse experience on the event side of things, uh, you know, in the startup community and fuse those two things together. So we, we have just launched spark events. So tell me a little bit about like, how, how do you see, um, Spark events being different than, I mean, obviously there are a lot of people who do events, right? No, no, lots, yeah. no, no question there. What do you think is different about the way you're approaching events, about the way that Spark is looking at events? Kind of what, what, what do you think are market differentiators? Um, so it's a great question. So first off, I think that we traditionally, if you, there's all types of events. Let me say that. Okay. There's, Brand new startup companies that want to do launch events. There's companies that are launching new products. They want to do a product launch. Uh, they want to do just a general meeting. They want to do a podcast. They want to do um, a big event at a hotel or maybe an empty outdoor space, or they want to do a networking event. Like There's a whole host of events, and each event has its own separate set of requirements and needs uh, depending on the client. And that's the other thing. It depends on what the client needs. I can bring so much idea, many ideas to the table. I can go and consult ideas that we can do uh, for them, but it doesn't mean they have to take them all. You know. So, so if I'm if I want to throw an event, I've whether it's internally facing to my organization or it's external, um, I may have some ideas about the goals that I want to accomplish, certain activities that I want to see happen during the event. 
So I can bring this to the table and you're saying that that there actually may be even better ideas or ways to iterate around yeah. some of those same ideas. Yeah, I think that uh, when you look at it, it depends on what the client's audience is. Is it internal? Is it external? Is it live? Um, is it a hybrid of that? Uh, what, what do we exactly look at when we get to the event? So I like to say, here's one of our, our things that we've really worked on is that when you go to an event, uh, and you've been to, uh, listen, everybody's been to sales kickoff events and user conferences. Some and better things. than others. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course. And, and out at the end of the day, let's just say this. If you showed up in an event and you had a great time and you enjoyed being with all these people and hanging out, you're going to say it's a great event. Whether somebody's microphone fell off, whether it happened, whether screens went out, whether it's technical difficulties. You, and if you networked with somebody and met somebody that, that, Gave you a new client or a new job. Yeah, I walk or away personal, thinking that was, you walk that was right awesome. saying, yeah. I'm going to come to that event always. Yeah. So there's a lot of things, okay? Uh, but we always know, I mean, food and everything else and how the interactions happen and the networking events are an important part. However, in, in this um, age, I really do think that we constantly, the hotels and things that we go to, I constantly see the same setup every time. Yeah, it's, it's kind of- the it, stage in the middle. It's the two screens on the side. It's the general session. Then we go to breakouts. It's a lot of pipe and drape, back right? To the, yep. yep. It's the same thing. The front of house is there, uh, but it's not, you know, it's, it's just, they're just putting on, we're going to play a video, we're going to do this. And so it's very... Um, I guess like cookie cutter almost in yeah, a way. I, I mean, it's predictable, that. right? I mean, how many events have you been to? But it's always the same. And I know you yeah. can doctor it up and you can do facades and you can do things that look really well, up, cool. Uplighting only whatever. gets you so far, right? Yeah. Right. And you can do, I mean, people make custom backgrounds and, you know, the screens and it's nice. Don't get me wrong. I, I think that's cool. Uh, and there's things that you can do with that. However, what we're really trying to do is that I want to take these corporate sales kickoffs the corporate user conferences, something to another level where maybe it's not just, hey, we show up at the general session at eight o'clock and then boom, we got a general session. Then we hit breakouts in the afternoon. Maybe it's a general session for two hours and then you go to a big activity where there's just a break from all that, like you're cleaning your palate. Then you come back in for another meeting, but the room has changed. So Mm. now you're in a new immersive environment. Mm. And so think about this. When you go do a wine test tasting, Right? We're, we're at a wine tasting, and you drink a glass of wine. What do you do before you uh, even just a sip? What do you do before you get to the next well, glass you, of wine? You cleanse your palate, or I guess if you're if you're French, right, you spit the stuff out. But or know, or you take a glass of water, yeah, right? which cleans your palate so you can taste the next it's, one. It's the as so as think we about both this. Love sushi. Think about Ted it's the in ginger and the sushi. All right, if yeah. you look at the Ted style a little bit, okay, their average time is like 18 minutes. No talk will ever be longer than 18 minutes. But when you sit down for two hours, they go 18, then they go six. Then they go three, then they go to video, then back to six, and then a video, and then to 18, and then a three, and then a video. And it's like, this, it's going all over. And so it takes the average time for you to be in a presentation to decide if you want to be involved or be into that or emotionally into that talk is about 21 minutes. And so that's why they kind hmm. of stop at 18. And so that's why that, that works. So, that, so, so like I, 21 minutes is the point where I'm going to check out. Yeah. So if you if you can craft an event or you craft the run of show or the elements that happen in a day or which room you're in your, right. your physical location, if you keep it under that 21 minute mark, then you can you have a high probability you're retaining everybody's now, interest. That goes against if you're going to do a panel or you're bringing somebody else up on during that presentation sure, or whatever. There's some other things changing. So there's yeah. things changing. 
But, you know, the video, being able to leave the room and go into another room and have like a Lego building contest and then move back into that room and then you break up your breakouts a little bit. And so the things that we're doing, uh, the award shows, like, for example, what we just produced last week, people came in there and going, wow, I thought only like really, really, really big companies do this kind of event. And this and this was in terms of number of attendees in person, what? A couple Three. hundred? Yeah. So, so not a huge, I mean, a decent size, Yeah, but not a Fortune 100 company for sure. No, but like, again, uh, it's, uh, it's what they left with, you know, and they left with like going, wow, you know, this wasn't my typical conference. This wasn't our typical sales kickoff. So for, you know, for a group of people, me included, um, I don't get super excited about the idea of going to a conference. I think because they're all kind of lame. I mean, visually they're lame, like in terms of energy level, they're kind of lame. There's not a lot to do. Like you're listening to a lot of presenters. You're saying that you can essentially take that content, take the same content, but deliver it in a way that's very compelling. That'll hold my interest. Well, if you've got a, if you've got a national based company, that's all assembling down into like, let's just say a warm part of the area, right? So Something it's February, tropical, they're going yeah. to Florida, they're going to, you know, Corpus Christi, they're going awful. down there, right? Miami, whatever. And they go down there and they have this hotel. They're all going to be excited because they get to go there. Okay. So they're excited. Yeah, there's they're no also, snow on the ground. They're excited because they, they get to see a lot of their colleagues that they don't get to see across the country very often. So they all get to fly in and see each other and hang out. Uh, it's a great chance to not just do, you know, uh, it's team meetings, it's, you know, your uh, reviews. It's other things that can happen there that you typically don't get to have or you're doing over, you know, a conference call or a Zoom call or so forth. So when you bring them there, like you've got to keep that energy going. And so we all know like, okay, you got a general session, pump you up kind of deal. And then you go and you got your, you know, breakouts and then you have your networking events at night. And that's great. But like, you've got to change the game a little bit. You've got to do some really cool things to say, Wow, that's really nice. Whether it's live music, uh, whether it's uh, you know LED walls, whether it's activities, uh, whether it's different ways to uh, utilize those activities to to do networking and team events. And so this last week was an amazing example of that. We'll have more to share yeah. about that eventually. But uh, yeah, I think that number one, you asked about some things. Number one, I think changing the experience and making a more immersive environment, an immersive experience for the attendees to be there is a, and, and not being the, just a generic cookie cutter D. two screen yeah. Two, I think the relationship with a client. And I know that every sales guy will, it's all about the relationship, but I'm serious when I say this, this client is like, they are my friends at the same time. And so if something happens in my life, right, like, um, you know, we've sent gifts to each other to say, hey, I'm sorry about this and your family, whatever. Right. And so it's been an amazing relationship with all of them. And third, here's the big difference. The team that I have to put on this event is not only just around the country, but we all know each other's personal side, our families. We all get together. And I can tell you that after this event, period, I've never seen a production team walk around and literally high five and hug each other, and like we celebrated such an amazing moment that we made it through, and it was just as important for us to, to deliver an amazing conference for everybody, right? You know that it was just for them and, to attend. And to be clear, that's that's pretty atypical. Most events, I mean, 
most events, a lot of people, some are coming from different parts of the country. They get yeah. together, they do the show, yeah. and then everybody kind of like goes their, goes home to their hotel room, and that's it, right? Yeah, that's it. I mean, you your team packs everything up. They ship it out. We ship our stuff, and then we'll see each other next year. And it might not be the same team, but in this case, this team is, uh, is a rock star team. And yeah. we can – I feel that we could potentially put on any sales event, any corporate event like that. Use conference in the so, country. So, give me some examples of. Uh, and I agree. I think. I think the team is uh, fantastic. Um, what would you say? What is an example, or, or give me a, give me an example, maybe even from this this show last week, where uh, the difference between a, a great team and an amazing team. What are the kind of things that a great that a that a world class team like what we have? Um, compare them to even a, even a really solid production team. Yeah. What are the kind of things that that enables a client to do? Can I, um, I, I'm guessing like make changes less if I, nobody likes last minute changes, but if I have a really compelling need to make a I change, mean, you're last putting minute, on an event, Matt, there's always last minute changes. There you go. You have to expect it, you know? And th- I think we expect the fact that there are going to be changes all the way up to the last second. And we've gotten presentations come in or somebody couldn't fly in and we make a change. For example, we did this amazing awards show, and even though we went through the run of show with them specifically, he accidentally skipped the next award presenter and went skipped and went somebody else. So immediately, because we're all in communication, we're all talking, we've all got our headsets on, we know what's happening, we were able to skip through and get to the next set of slides. And, and then nobody come knew back. the difference. Yeah. Nobody knows the difference. Yeah. Okay? Um, so I think being able to, A, um, yes, I hire an amazing producer. It's his show, uh, but they all, I get all of them together. Right? This is our team. I never had to like tell anybody to work harder. Hmm. Not one person did I say, go treat the client like this. Every one of them I trust with the client. The client at the end said that we love every single person. They met three new people this year and they said, we love all three of them. We love all the new people. This team is what we want back. One hundred percent, and so I think that I never have to speak. Uh, tell them to work hard. I don't have to say, "Hey, listen, stay up late. We've got to get this done." Um, they all, I trust them all to get their job done. And then, um, yeah, we all communicate. And when the pressure hits and there's something wrong, we don't panic. Mm. You know, and it's been it was amazing. Right? And this is uh, we've done yeah many conferences together. Cool. Um, let's talk a little bit. You mentioned, um, teams. not to mention a great photographer and a great videographer all week. It was great to boss you around. Thanks. Just want to point Just that because in. one has a camera that does not make hey them man, a photographer. You bring a camera. Watch out. I can ask. Um, okay. So let's touch on something you mentioned earlier. So the idea, obviously this, this event that you've been talking about was an in-person event and you said it's an opportunity for teams to get together. And I know, um, you know, in a post COVID world, there are a lot of teams that are working semi remote or entirely remote that maybe didn't before the pandemic. So it would seem like, uh, in one sense, you've got people who aren't able to be together in the office. So these conferences or, or, you know, kickoff meetings, whatever, offer a, an opportunity for them to get together. But at the same time, it seems like there are other situations where there's a need to do, an event that's both in person 
and digital in the same way that of course we do in person. Like we might do a meeting and the three of us, you know, three or four of us are in a room. And we've got some other people on Zoom. So is that something um, that's happening in event world? And what you know, what is what is event world look like post COVID? Um, is it exclusively in person now? Is it a combination of both? Like how do you handle that? Well, it's a great question. So what's interesting is that. Um, you're right. Post COVID, everybody still wants to get together. Everybody's hanging out. I mean, if you go to the airport, they're all flying, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's going everywhere. Uh, so it hasn't stopped us. Uh, and so I do think, though, there are uh, individuals that want to attend the event. They don't feel comfortable. And that's every, that's their sure. right. Um, sure. I mean, I'm not against that. I don't, you know, you've got to deal with this how you want to deal with it. Sure. Um, or, well, or even now, I mean, just a calendar conflict could be enough to. That's right. And so. This client, you know, like for example, they had uh, an announcement, a big announcement on brand changes and things like that that they wanted to really look at. And so they want to announce that. So they wanted a portion of their general session, about six hours uh, with a break, obviously, uh, to be live streamed to their entire company. So, so, this, so this event was for a portion of the company and it was in person. Yep. And then there was also a stream of that to correct. the entire organization. That's correct. Okay. So we have the whole, I want you to take, we have the whole in-house going on audience, you know, everybody there. It's a normal in-person it's event. It's a normal event, but then we have three cameras, you know, this, this event we did, mm-hmm. we had uh, a center shot, uh, a left uh, house left shot. And then we had a roaming camera shot and all those shots were not only able to be seen during the live stream, but we're also able to see it on our LED wall for our space. So you're using, you're using the same gear to make the in-room experience. Same gear. And then also taking that and leveraging it. That's correct. So, so from the client's perspective, I'm guessing that it wasn't like they had to buy two video systems worth of equipment. Like no, rental, we right? just had a different setup. You know, there's some setup in the background. So we custom built their microsite. We custom built... Um, you know, it was all coded passwords so that, you know, they, they sent and the that's password how, out that That's morning. how the offsite people saw that. Yep. They were able to come in. They had, they, uh, went straight through the stream. We provided streaming codes, streaming keys, things like that all to our, um, uh, to our, con- uh, person that did, you know, built the site and was handling that uh, here, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, on the back end. And so we had constant communication going on with that. Uh, so we streamed the whole event that way for six hours and then we wow. recorded it as well. Uh, so we can provide feedback in the general sessions, Very things cool. like that. So we'll come back, do a post, you know, a lot of post-production editing, uh, bookend every presentation, and, and then we'll deliver that back to the client. So with the same, so with the same capture that happened live, you're able to deliver those assets to the client. Absolutely. They can use those for content. Yeah, and then here's what's interesting to to tell you the the pressure. Right, all of a sudden they have two on their panel. They have a couple of clients that couldn't make it, but they still want to be there. Hmm. So we were able to, if I can explain this nicely, we were able to take uh, two uh, clients, put them in a Zoom call, show the Zoom on the left side of the stage on the LED wall, show the local in the right side of the wall, hmm. still all live streaming, Offsite, offsite, yeah. live stream, all of it, and the two that could everybody interact with each and other, every, and have everybody on the stage interact with the people that are on the Zoom call. Wow, from the stage, cool. so you got basically three audiences. You're trying to cater to the inside, then you're trying to cater to the Zoom, which you've got crossing. You know, you never um, we don't, don't want to cross the streams. Don't want to cross the streams, yep. right? From yep. Ghostbusters, and um, so yeah, so we've got that. 
uh, going on. So you on. didn't so, cross the streams, but you had people who weren't in the room participating in a panel. That's people right. People who were in the, in the room participating that's in a panel. That's exactly right. And people in the room watching all that happen and people. Right. Yep. So, but yeah, I think that it's, uh, it was a, it was a really cool experience and we were able to pull that. We pulled it off a little bit last year in a really quick fashion. This year we had some time to really plan it out and it was uh, pretty awesome to be able to sit up there and have them interview uh, them right on the screen. Very cool. Yeah. Well, so I think that gives us uh, some good insight into the evolving world of spark events. Yeah. I'm excited about uh, just the amazing opportunity we have to really take these corporate, you know, and it's not just corporate, but take these type of events and put them to another level to just create this experiential platform for hmm. attendees. Sounds exciting. It is. Trust cool. me. Cool, dude. It's going to be awesome. All right. Hey, thanks again for inviting me to something I didn't know I was going to be at. Um, I hope you have an amazing ne- next day. Time, next time, we'll use Google Calendar. Hey, next time, use Gmail. Yeah.